Well, welcome again, and thank you for joining us for our uh, pastoral-led Bible study uh, here for the midweek. Uh, at least that's when most of you catch it, or throughout your week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll continue along in our series in the book of Mark. Kind of uh, started a different turning point today in Jesus' life as we uh, approach Holy Week, even though we still have about a third of the book left. Mark really uses some time to be able to focus on these moments uh, leading up to the end of Jesus' uh, life and also, of course, into the story of the resurrection. And so today we see uh, Jesus come in, is that uh, typical story of the king that we know so well, uh, but hopefully we can see and capture something a little bit different in that text today. So for Mark chapter 11, we look at the triumphant entry. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are doing this, tell him the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to do, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Well, there's our Palm Sunday text from a couple months ago now. Yeah. We, uh, Mark always is uh, very brief and to the point. And so from the other, other writers, we learn more details. Matthew, who, mm -hmm. was, who was an eyewitness of the events, he remembers the... Uh, uh, that there are actually two donkeys there. Yep. Kind of mama and, and a foal. Yep. Little baby. And Jesus was the one, uh, the foal was the one that uh, Jesus had selected. So uh, just little things like that where, again, uh, Peter's telling Mark. Mark's writing it down for us. And, uh, yeah. Interesting how they get the donkey, right? Like Jesus basically just tells them where to go and where to get it. Uh, but that's it. Almost like, I mean, they're just going to grab this this donkey, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's has almost this foretelling of the small prophecy that's there that people are going to question what's going on. And so Jesus gives them the evidence or the reason that they're supposed to tell the people. And sure enough, that exact same thing happens. They go to try to untie it, and the people ask, you know, what, what are you doing? You know, maybe, maybe I don't, it's people wa watching for their neighbor's property. You know, I don't know who you are. That's Stephen's colt, though. Why are you taking Stephen's colt away? Exactly. Yeah, I always think that's a comical scene there. It's got to be um, interesting. But, you know, and villager then, A and B are kind of standing there, and these strangers walk in and start untying a colt. Like, Whoa, hey, why are you untying that colt? <laughs> it's like that. Uh, piece from the movie Star Wars when they're driving through and they're looking for the drones and Obi-Wan Kenobi just says, these oh. aren't the drones you're looking for. And then the guards say, these are not the drones we're looking for. It's like the <laughs> same thing, go. right? He tells them, and they say, okay. It's you, not you, the, this is not we the, can take this cult. Yeah. Right? You can take this cult. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens. That's what I'm imagining. <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe the people 
understand that it's for Jesus and have heard about who Jesus is. And so they're for this. And they even tell them that they're going to bring it back here shortly is what mm -hmm. Jesus says. You know, they really are just borrowing it. Right. Yeah, they say it's for the Lord. So, uh, yeah. Obviously, there's a huge stirring because after they take the donkey and when Jesus rides it into the town, the people are shouting, right, Hosanna, you know, here he comes, the one who is supposed to save us. So even these people uh, who allowed them to take, the, they must have known of this yeah. stir. You know, the whole city is, is coming to be able to see this scene of Jesus coming in as king. Yeah, and another part of the chronology here, the right kind of timeline of events, right? We know when Jesus was in Bethany, you know, right before this, he raised Lazarus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from the dead. That's and so a great point to make. All those people there at the at the uh, wake, if yeah. you will, mourning, they see him raise Lazarus after, what, four days in the tomb or something. And, yeah. Uh, so there's already this big excitement. And so now here he comes into Jerusalem. And uh, taking it, moving on there, uh, think about the disciples. Like what kind of anxious fear they had these last days and weeks as they kept walking closer and closer to Jerusalem. Like, what is going to happen to Jesus? What's going to happen to us? And and for so long, here in the Gospel of Mark, like Jesus keeps doing these amazing miracles and then says, "Shh, don't tell anybody." Yeah, over and over again. Don't tell anybody. And now here are the disciples following Jesus, and he's accepting all of this praise. The coats. And the, the branches on the street, that was a very, something they would do for royalty. Yeah. You know, he's writing, he's accepting this praise, these accolades. And the disciples maybe are thinking, I don't know, I'm thinking, uh, aha, this is it. He's, he's making his move for world domination. Yeah. Right? He's, yeah. he's accepting the, the, the support and the, the enthusiasm of the people. And he's going to ride right into Jerusalem and just take it over. But uh, actually, he goes to the temple, looks around, and he says, Nah, it's kind of late. Let's go home. That is super interesting, right? That's exactly what it says. He enters Jerusalem, goes to the temple. It's kind of kinda late. Kind of looks around. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to play out into this huge climax of what would actually happen. Yeah. It's very, very different. And so Jesus seems to spend the night uh, you know, there yeah. away from it, and it kind of moves on, well, to the next day, to our next piece yeah. of the, the scripture. So this whole week here, Holy Week, uh, Jesus and his disciples are spending the night at Mary and Martha's house. Uh, just uh, obviously a short walk uh, from Jerusalem up on the hill in Bethany. Uh, but yeah, so you got the disciples thinking, this is it, this is it. I'm going to sit on his right. You're going to be on his left oh, yeah, in the yeah. new kingdom. And he looks around and he goes, hmm. ah, let's go back to Mary and Martha's and get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, come come back we're in the temple we got everybody's excited yeah very interesting uh and then we don't have too many more details after that you know no, definitely not from mark there. yeah definitely not from mark uh it just gets the main points um okay we're reverse uh 12, we're 12 next day yeah uh, the next day as they uh were leaving bethany so headed back to jerusalem jesus was hungry seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. 
On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made, my, uh, you have made it into a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began to look for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. Again, spending the night back out in Bethany. Probably where it was safer, too. Yep. Uh, so, I didn't know where he was. At this point, uh, maybe for a little bit of foreshadowing, we seem to hit like another one of those Marconian sandwiches in which we have a story that's yep. interlaid there of the, the fig tree and then this concept of uh, Jesus clearing the temple or dealing with the chief priests and teachers of the law. And as we'll see in a minute from now, then it comes back to this concept of the, the fig tree again mm -hmm. underneath that. So I even yep. asked you like a minute ago, like this concept of the, of the fig tree that's thrown in here. It seems super interesting, this story, because Jesus, he's, first of all, I like the, the context. Jesus is, is hungry. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think all of us can really appreciate that. It's another piece that Christ knows what it's like to be in a state of, of want, right? Just like us, you know, God being man. Even pain, like yeah. when your stomach right? growls and actually yeah. hurts. You know, it, you're that hungry? Somebody says those words, you know, I'm, I'm literally starving, you know? And so Jesus is at this point where he's hungry, he's doing ministry, he goes over this fig tree, it's got this leaf. Uh, but it says that it's actually not the season for figs, mm -hmm. and uh, there are none on there, so it's almost like it's not the tree's fault, but at the same time, Jesus curses this tree and says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And I wonder if the piece that Mark puts in the middle of this story, again, we haven't got to the other half of the fig tree story, if Mark is sharing something that correlates with these two pieces of this clearing of the temple. Maybe it's hitting at uh, a group of people who were uh, abusing something or where fruit should be. Uh, coming about, but it just wasn't there, that it's being cursed, that they shouldn't have that fruit, that there's almost this judgment that is placed down upon them. And Christ kind of does that same thing. You know, he goes to the, the temple and sees something that is taking place that shouldn't be taking place there. They're buying and selling all these goods. They're trying to do it for themselves. And there's no fruit to come about it because Jesus, he clears this temple, you know, nobody should ever you know, eat from this or take from this again. And he kind of changes it. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any other take on that, Pastor Mark? It's kind of a, a an interesting story of the way that it's that it's laid out for us. No, I think you explained it well. Next verse. Yeah. Verse 29. No. Uh, well, we could I probably most, look at a, a piece of this. Maybe well, we, we, want, we, want to the, we want to hit the temple too. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we we got to finish the fig tree too, the the, the sandwich there, in this next section too. But um, now I think most theologians uh, would uh, interpret th these actions of Jesus here with the fig tree as being very symbolic. The fig tree representing Israel, mm -hmm. some Old Testament psalms and 
that kind of reference Israel's kind of these this fig tree, um, and uh, their take on it is uh, uh, just like the fig tree that has uh, leaves on it. So it so it's not the season. Uh, for figs yet, except this tree happens to be a little early, uh, early bloomer, yeah. if you will. There, there's, it's, it's in full leaf, and yeah. it's like, okay. It's showing something is happening there. Yeah. Right. There's Maybe movement. there should be actual fruit there. Yeah. But he goes, and there is no fruit. Well, the then tree he of <laughs> Well, but then he goes immediately to the temple, right? Yeah. Where there's these leaves, there's these signs, outward signs of righteousness. Yes. But when you actually go in and check it out, there's no spiritual fruit there at all. Yeah, yeah. It's completely dead and, and unproductive. So he curses it. Yeah. And that's basically what happened with the old, uh, uh, I don't want to say, uh, Jewish uh, Pharisee religion. Uh, of Jesus's day, um, it just dies. It, it's not around anymore today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a Jewish religion, sure. there's synagogues, but I mean, there's nobody sacrificing no doves and cow. I mean, all of that is gone. It, it's been it's been withered, and uh, Jesus, uh, yeah, because it's not bearing any spiritual fruit for the people. Well, maybe just a for application side of us today, right, and our church life or with our uh, places of worship or our uh, livelihood of discipleship of doing the same thing right of not of making sure we're not just uh, showing those leaves on the outside or being a place of you know just self uh, satisfaction or uh, being able to use our worship centers or uh, just even our time our lives for being self-serving in all these different things, but making sure as Christians that we're actually providing that fruit mm-hmm. that God gives to us, you know, we, you know, maybe even you know, <coughs> using this to stretch it out a little bit further, you know, we don't know when Christ is coming. We don't know when our Lord is going to be hungry enough that He is coming back to this earth to be able to, uh, you know, take us to go home with Him again. But uh, we need to be constantly on guard and knowing that that day you know could be today like every single day and what are we doing as christians or disciples in the world to be able to make sure you know we're sharing that fruit and getting that message across Mm -hmm. to others yeah all right we'll get right back to the fig tree but just one second on cleansing the temple yeah because i mean that's a big deal right oh yeah you see jesus uh, well, he's not only mad, right? He's hangry, apparently. He, yeah, and it goes. He didn't have the, any. He didn't have his fig for breakfast. <laughs> no, so no he comes into Jerusalem. Yeah, uh, we're making a little bit of light, I guess. But um, there, he's righteously indignant. Yeah, but and if you look in the a uh, couple of the other parallel gospels as it talks about it, you know, it talks about Jesus even <coughs> grabbing a whip, right? It, it, making a whip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cords, yeah. Made he his own whip. whip. Yeah, start smacking people around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's clearing, clearing people out, uh, yeah. Turning over the tables. Uh, just imagine a, you know, the, the table just filled yeah, with coffers got, and uh, birds in little homemade cages. Right, right. Yeah, cash registers and yeah, whatever in, uh, the, in that day. But uh, yeah, he just dumps it all. You imagine the coins just rolling yeah. everywhere on the ceramic on the pots t- cracking yeah. that had stuff in it. Yeah, you know, like the stone floor and the, yeah. the crevices. Coins going down in the cracks and yeah. Uh, turn over the benches where they were sitting. And then I love this. I want to know what this looked like. Uh, he said uh, in verse 16, 
and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Like, is that where he's there with his, his, his uh, whip? And he's standing there. He, like, try, they try to come through the court, and he's just, like, smacking them down. I mean, I don't he know. prevents he's, them from, yeah, but you're not coming into the court. So you kind of got, remember the temple, you got the end of the Holy of Holies. Yeah, that'd be good to explain place. that, yep. And then the, the courtyard was only uh, Jews were allowed uh, within that proximity, that closeness uh, to the Holy of Holies, to the Ark. Uh, um, and so, and whatever. I mean, this is supposed to be a sanctified place, a holy place, a place set apart for worship. And uh, they were, uh, I mean, it's one thing to have, I guess, uh, selling Girl Scout cookies out on the sidewalk or something when people but they were actually like in the sanctuary mm-hmm. uh, where the people would be for for worship and uh, not just like uh, one day a year i mean they were there all the time and not really to, doing people a favor right not like oh i'm here so you have <clears throat> something today to be able to say you know they're really doing it to, for themselves you know right and i think that's another good point uh some people do ask about selling girl scout cookies at church or something like that i've had that over my career, pastors, shouldn't we not do this, or mm-hmm, is it okay? Mm-hmm. And and it's not that just they're selling or exchanging money or selling animals so that people can make their sacrifices like the law required. Uh, but he says, Jesus says, uh, in verse 17, you have made it a den of robbers. So mm-hmm. they're, they're cheating people, they're taking advantage yeah. of these people who that, have I come to worship key. God. Um, so. Jesus comes out and says it explicitly. Like it's it's not just that they're trading and whatever selling, but it's that they're robbing, they're cheating people, and uh, yeah, he's not gonna put up with. Now, uh, interesting. So all the gospels record this event, but uh, John actually uh, tells of an earlier cleansing at the beginning of Jesus's ministry of cleansing the temple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I mean this has been going on for decades here in Jerusalem. And I'm sure it didn't make him, like, this. it wasn't like at the very end that it took all this time he finally got mad about it. Yeah. Like, I'm sure this is something that bugged him, yeah, Jesus, always. The, the whole time. It is interesting, though, to see, you know, so he's bothered by this the entire time he, this action comes through. It's interesting to see the reaction or response of the people that are around. So verse 18 <clears throat> says the chief priest and the teachers of the law hear about this. This is when, now it's very clear, they begin looking for a way to kill him. Mm-hmm. Why? It says that they fear him because the whole crowd is actually amazed at his teaching. So the people that are around that see this and then hear his teaching for this day are actually still super connected yep. with Christ. This hasn't limited or even damaged his credibility <laughs> with people who are around him. Actually, it seems... This has been popularity. beneficial. Yeah, people are people are still connected with him in a in a major way. So much so that the chief priests and teachers of the law seem upset not by his actions, but because uh, this begins to affect them. You know, they begin looking for a way to come because they actually fear him. It says, you know, of what he is going to do as he continues on this on this path. So it's interesting. You know, we think about what that stage must have looked like. But he, he actually says that he does teach the people. And maybe he was doing that as they walked out the door. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's teaching them, you know. Let me tell you why this isn't good to be able to have this or move this. Right. Yeah, it says he taught them. And we just get like literally one sentence of, yeah. of what he was teaching that day. But yeah. it could have been an hour 
uh, who knows how long the sermon was. Sure. But the people were captivated. They were blessed and obviously excited uh, to be able to hear God's word like that. All right, so let's move on to the next uh, final piece of bread there in the sandwich, the withered fig tree. It says, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive your, you your sins. All right. Uh, before we jump right into that, uh -huh. I just got a little sidebar, All right. a little side note. So many, many, many years ago, I was, I don't know, middle school probably, yep. high school. Um, my name is Mark. Yep. It happens to be a, a gospel of Mark. Yes. My birthday is November the 23rd. Okay. So I was just curious. Literally, I was sitting there and I was curious. I was like, I wonder what Mark 11.23 is. And so I looked it up and I thought, because it could be, you know, and Joe went down to the river and washed his hand. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it literally yeah. could be any verse in the Bible. But it's actually, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, it will happen. It will be done for him. Well, that's a pretty cool verse. That is a pretty cool verse. That could have been your confirmation verse. Yeah, it wasn't, but uh, yeah, I thought about that. So your name is Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. And you were born on March the 14th. That's correct. So just before we came in here, I looked up Jeremiah. I've never done this before. Yeah. yeah. I would like know. you as my pastor to read this to me and this share this great. nugget of wisdom. Everybody it's going to be great in, in a one of two ways. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> Jeremiah 3, verse 14. All right, let's hear it. Uh, this is the Lord speaking. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I will choose you, one from a town and two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. That's <laughs> uh, not as cool as my verse. <laughs> I'm glad at least you looked that up. Yeah. It is a good verse. It yeah. is a good verse. Yeah. So, Jeremiah, God's Aren't all the verses good? Yeah. Okay. So, Jeremiah, the people are already in captivity. God's telling them uh, there's going to be a remnant that's going to come back yes. to Zion. Yes. One from a family, two from a clan. So, there's a promise there. Oh, thanks for sharing that with me. I appreciate yeah, that's that. That's your verse. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the sidebar. Now, let's get back to the withered fig tree. Yeah, just to clarify, this is just goofing around. There's actually no significance. It's not like a no, horse, horoscope no. or anything. Yeah, don't, don't try don't, to look up your name. Don't think there's anything special about it. It's just a curiosity. <laughs> okay. So Peter seems, Peter seems super surprised by what has happened. Yeah. He's like, Rabbi, look! The fig tree you cursed is withered. So, like, in a day. What do you think? But what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's seen so much already up until this point. He seems so, he seems so like taken back by this. You know, it's very interesting. The thing is, with plants, you know, once a plant, it, most plants, a lot of plants, especially here in a warmer climate like we have, mm -hmm. when they are severed from whatever they're growing on, 
they do wither super fast. I just cut, had to cut a whole bunch of oleanders at my house hanging over the back part, and I threw them all out in the alley. The guy comes and he picks them up with the big uh, backhoe, and I went and saw them the next day. And the pile, when I had thrown it out there, was like the size of an SUV. And I came back the next day, and it was just all the water had just been sucked out of them. And so I would think that at some point in his life, Peter saw something wither fairly quickly, but he seems so surprised Again, that Jesus has cursed this tree and that it has happened. It's almost like he still doesn't comprehend what's there. And Jesus almost seems to kind of get at that a little bit in mm-hmm. a couple different ways. But he does say, you know, have faith in God, right? Have yeah. faith in God. Yeah, so like I was saying, most theologians will talk about this uh, fig tree incident with Jesus as being very symbolic. Uh, it represents Israel. You know, they had outward signs of righteousness. The Pharisees, the scribes, all those people actually had no real spiritual fruit, no real faith in God. Now, obviously, they didn't recognize God's Messiah. Obviously, yeah. Um, but and and I'll say, uh, Mark seems to be making that same point the way he builds this sandwich. Mm-hmm. We see that again, like you talked about, so many different times where he ties two different incidents together to try to make kind of one big point. Mm-hmm. However. And all that can be true, uh, but in addition to that, uh, Jesus seems to actually kind of explicitly say kind of what the point is, and it's why are you surprised that yeah. I, you know, I prayed for something and it happened. Yeah. You know, if you pray for something, it's gonna happen. Like if you ask God for something, God's going to do that. You shouldn't be surprised by that. So. Maybe that was a sub-point that Jesus wanted to make, but it's obviously it, at, at least that. I mean, it was obviously part of Jesus' lesson with the fig tree, is that God can do all things. And then he says, you know, the, just those great words about prayer. We heard about this a little bit in our sermon this past week and how important this is. That Jesus, was a good sermon, too. <laughs> Anyway, check that out. <laughs> Thanks. I, I think he really reiterates what we talked about from that first John passage that we looked at this week, you know? Right. It talks about, you know, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I don't think this is Jesus in any way, again, making some type of uh, piece of allegory for us. I really believe that he wants us to know that. And as we heard this last week, you know, uh, really has to be according to our Lord's will. Mm-hmm. But that's part of where that faith starts, right? That all this is based off of what God's will truly is for us. And our prayers should be based off of that too. And it says uh, another point that's very interesting as well, something that we actually pray for every Sunday, whether we know it or not in the in the Lord's prayer. Mm-hmm. He says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, he says, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And don't we say that every week, you know, when we're saying the Lord's Prayer, we ask the Lord to be able to forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And that really is a, a difficult proposition at times, especially when we've been hurt maybe on a larger scale in our mind or when it's been recent mm-hmm. in our mind, when it's somebody who's super close to us when it's something that's done maybe out of revenge at times there's a lot of different reasons why it becomes hard for us to forgive and I know at least for me uh, one of the 
places it makes it easier in my heart to be able to forgive people is when I really think about what Christ has done for us. You know, a God that forgives us after all the things we have done and continue to do against him, especially as Christians, right? We can't say we don't know about this. This is something we understand, that we share about, that we say that we believe, and we still sin against God at, at times. And how important it is for us to remember this, that when we forgive others, man, I don't know if there's much anybody else could do to be able to share who Jesus is than to be able to offer that forgiveness to someone. That's when it really becomes real, I think, for somebody around us. And it's a, it really is a great way for us to connect with people and to share who Christ is and what he has done in our lives. That's right. That's the most important thing we can do. Uh, sharing the gospel, uh, right? Forgiving other people. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe we we take it for granted, uh, like it was easy for Jesus to forgive us. Yeah. Like it was like, well, he's Jesus. He had yeah, to do that. He had to, he or, had or, to do it. He was God, so his him. power made him like he's stronger. He could do it. He knew it was coming. I mean, he was like, hungry. So. I mean, if he had hunger pains from not having breakfast, you know, imagine what, you know, spikes through your hands and being flogged and crown of thorns on your head i mean he really felt that and he said father forgive them the people that did that to him and like that sin being put on you right uh i don't even want to say not just the physical because i think that is part of the physical i know when i have bore on my back the pain of somebody else just because i've been with them Mm -hmm. for something or when somebody has done something like yeah it really does it, it whether it stresses you out or it zaps you of your energy or it, you know you feel part of their depression or sadness imagine all the sin of the entire world in that moment being placed on the back of someone now that seems completely undoable to me unbearable that it just how how did that actually happen because mm-hmm. i think that probably was for christ the biggest piece not that the spikes flogging thorns would whatever was not uh, really harmful but man all that sin and bearing that weight just whatever you want to call it physical emotional spiritual that is a big piece uh, of suffering that occurs in that moment yeah and how can we not continue the the forgiveness i mean how can we not share that with other people yeah what what is what has anybody ever done to me that would be as severe as what i've done to jesus yeah that's a great way to put it no, yeah, that, that's it. I mean, that is it. Yeah. So let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Just forgive. All right, verse 27. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests and teachers of the law and elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked. And who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. 
Jesus uh, such a, a master of when he is questioned, mm-hmm. responding with a, a question, really getting people to be able to to think and to be able to draw this to draw this out. And this is an interesting one because he already knows the answer before he he asks the question. You know, he does, he knows it can go these both ways. How slippery are these Pharisees, though? Too, mm-hmm. they, they they know. Okay, we know that we're trapped, <clears throat> literal rocking hard place that we speak about here. So what we're gonna answer is, we don't no. know. You know, that's the that's the one we're gonna have to that we're gonna have to take. Which I'm sure that would have been difficult for them to say, but they know that even in that moment they don't want to get trapped in either one of these ways. So even instead of taking a stand and even debating with Christ or being able to, to communicate that they do believe one way or another, they really just think it's an, it's better for them, again, for them, not to say anything and not to do anything. And this kind of reverts back again to that concept of this fig tree that's not producing any mm-hmm. fruit, right? You see these leaves, you see what's going on here. There should be an answer right there. Oh, we don't have anything. The fruit is the fruit is not there. Yeah, that's good. And these are kind of kind of cursed. That's good. Yeah, this this is kind of the beginning here where Mark uh, kind of compiles all uh, many of these uh, challenges uh, that the religious leaders try to take a run at Jesus, try to get the crowd against him, or turn Rome against him, or uh, yeah. Uh, this is the this is the first of several that we'll talk yeah, about happened, in yeah, the next, next chapter. Next week we'll see for sure uh, a lot of these interactions. But one of the things this this interaction, um, uh, you know, he says he asked this question: Was it from heaven or was it from men? Tell me. Uh, you know, section before that, fig tree is cursed, and the temple is cleansed. Whatever, overarching theme, boldness. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a meek, timid Jesus. Uh, this is a bold Jesus who's on a mission, uh, and he's got he's got stuff to do. Yeah, and he's got people to straighten out. He's got people to save. He's got people to curse. Um, it's time to it's time to clean house. Definitely about, a healthy offensive. Yeah. Yeah. I just think about our our witness today. I think a lot of people. Are oh, it's like supposedly the number one fear of speaking in public, like being asked to say a few words in front of a crowd or something. But I mean, I think everybody is scared to talk about Jesus, mm. even with just like three or four people. Yeah, um, you just I don't know. The fear is, you know, they think I'm weird, or, or am I not going to know if they ask me a question and I don't know? Um, but it's just such this big fear that people have. And you see Jesus walking right into this, uh, the heart of the trap, that, you know, they're trying to set for him in Jerusalem, just making a scene, making a commotion, saying, yeah. here I am. And uh, they come and challenge him, and it's like, you answer my question, yeah. answer it, yeah. answer it. Yeah, definitely an exclamation mark that's after that statement. Yeah, tell me, you're right. Um, anyway, uh, some boldness there, and a little salt, a little salt in our, in our witness. And it kind of concludes there with the, you know, that interesting statement, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things, but it's almost like you know. Yeah, you guys know. I don't need to, I don't need to tell you. I, mean, I don't need to throw it out here. You, know, you, guys, you guys know by what authority that I, that I do this and what I claim. And maybe the same for us today, too. You know, I think a lot of people 
they they do I think see a little bit by what authority Jesus has come to this mm-hmm. earth, but still there's a lot of denial that that happens. You know, uh, they still yeah. look after for themselves. I mean, the Pharisees see it firsthand, right? They're there in the flesh with Jesus, watching him do miracles, hearing the teachings that happen, and still, because it affects them in what they perceive to be a negative way, they don't want to accept any of it. And so why would it surprise us in this day and age that people who maybe don't see Jesus' miracles firsthand or don't hear the teaching directly from his mouth, at least they don't consider maybe the Bible to be the Word of God, why does it, was it surprise us today that people don't say the same thing? Well, religion or spirituality, and especially Jesus, would change my life in this way. You know, this is the alteration. This isn't necessarily, in their mind again, the best for me, and so why would I do that? That doesn't sound like it creates power in my life or perform great, give me riches in my life. And so we choose all these other paths to go down when the one we really need is actually standing right there in front of us. Yeah, I think I want to just grab one of those points that you made. I I think that's really good that um, they came to Jesus and said, by what authority are you doing these things? They didn't come to Jesus and ask, you faker, Mm. you didn't heal blind Bartimaeus a chapter ago. Yep. You know, you're not interpreting our Old Testament scriptures. You know, my house will be yep. called the house of prayer for the and interpreting in it for incorrectly today. Yeah, you know, you're doing these things, but but what authority are you doing? Like, how are you able to do these things, and who is giving you that authority? Who's giving you that power? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's interesting that it, it's really interesting. It's important um, that the opponents of Jesus when he walked the earth, didn't deny that he was performing miracles, that he was teaching God's word, that people were amazed at how well he teach, how much wisdom he had. Um, their opposition, their, their point of attack was, you know, by whose authority? You know, how are you doing these things? Um, and I think today, uh, unfortunately, we, we do get sometimes uh, off track, I think, in our witness. We, kind of get in the weeds with some people about did Jesus really exist and mm-hmm. did he do these things and um, I mean nobody denied it in his own lifetime it's kind of odd that we would yeah. have, have those conversations today uh, but it does the heart of it the issue is what, exactly what you were saying um, is it that fruit of faith that, that's God given to them do they recognize Jesus as God and uh, just cut to the chase I guess in our witness and of avoid the distractions and small things mm-hmm. and, and get to the point uh, he, he suffered and died for your sins um, to make you make you right with God again well that's the fruit of our story today. all right awesome yeah so we'll get, we'll move on next week and uh, see Jesus duke it out verbally yeah with, uh, uh, mentally with uh, Inferior opponents. Talking about taxes. Everybody's just wrapping up their taxes right now. We'll talk about taxes. That's right. Next yeah, week. Taxes yeah. next week. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for sending your Son and for revealing so much of uh, who you are, uh, especially how much you love uh, us, all your people here on Earth. Uh, we pray that uh, we would be so grateful and thankful for your forgiveness uh, that we do share uh, that good news of Jesus uh, that we have in our hearts uh, with 
everyone around us, uh, by the way we live and the way we treat people. And, and when you give us opportunity, explicitly say uh, that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again so we'll all have eternal life. Uh, that's just the greatest news and cuts to the heart of, of, uh, of the gospel. Uh, just bless our congregation as we move forward into the future uh, with your plans under your divine will and, and with your divine power. Uh, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a good one.